Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL Jibber Jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Remember to follow on Twitter, Insta, and watch video shows each week on YouTube. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! The guys are ready, so let's hand over to Rob Rose, JB, PB and Aldrin, and get on with the show. So, hi again, gents. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Well, just three of us. Well, four of us in a virtual sense, in that Aldrin has provided his thoughts on the upcoming week in a uh, clipped form that we will slide seamlessly into this pod as we roll through. But otherwise, just a trio uh, this week talking through the games. And before we get into what I think looks probably one of the most evenly matched slate of games in a while, pretty pretty tough to pick our winners this week, I felt. Um, let's do our recap of uh, last week and what we thought of NFL action, starting with our recorded clip from you, Aldrin. I think my key takeaway from the week was well, it was a story of backups, really. I think you looked at uh, Mike White making his first career start for the Jets to beat Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. You had Cooper Rush um, making his first career start and beating um, the Kirk Cousins-led Vikings. Um, Geno Smith, obviously, uh, with a pretty comfortable win against the Jaguars. And then, obviously, Trevor Simeon was the big one coming into the game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat Tom Brady. Um, so I think that was the real big takeaway was the impact of the backups. And I think that's going to be equally important moving forward with some key injuries. Obviously, James Winston now out for the season. Looks like Derek Henry might also be out for the season. So I think the story is going to be um, what backups can make a difference in a number of different positions for a number of teams that have been hard hit this week. So, um, yeah, that was my key takeaway, I guess. So, if Aldrin picks out last week as the week of the backup quarterback, I think he probably steals thunder from a few of us. But in terms of you, JB, what was your standout for all things NFL last weekend? Well, I, I, mine was kind of a, a combination of that, but kind of a combination of the three things that I think have been the the most prevalent storylines across the season, which is kickers auditioning for Missed Kick the Musical, backup quarterbacks and injuries. Um, if you haven't seen the slow motion replay of Jameis Winston getting hit, do yourself a favor and don't watch it because his leg is a different angle to the rest of his body. And it's not very good. Um, and yeah, that was, that was just it. It was like, it was a bit dull. It was kind of a bit shocking. And then Mike White happened and just everything seemed to get a little bit weird after that. It did have that feel, didn't it? I mean, kickers, the weird thing is, if we go back a year or two, I think there are a number of kickers who've had performances in recent weeks that would have previously just been cut, right? It would have been that Monday morning story that Team A has got rid of Kicker B and they're now auditioning kickers C, D, and F or whatever it might be. The challenge now is you've got a number of kickers who are clearly low on confidence. Some of them, I think, are probably too low on talent, but they seem to be sticking around. And I mean... 
Blewett is probably, and I mean, his name tells you all you need to know. Blewett seems to be the the first that springs to mind for me. The guy is getting every second kick blocked. I mean, they're not even going wide left or wide right. The, the guy just kicks too low. Um, and then a couple of others. I mean, Mason Crosby seems to have steadied the ship in, in Green Bay a little. But otherwise, nobody's really improved much. And And for how long do you think will kickers remain, I don't want to say undervalued, but there's got to be a point where people look at how many, you know, actual points in games are earned by kickers and think about really investing serious money and getting a good one. Um, yeah, kickers for me seems the the odd story of 2021. Um, PB, what was your takeaway from last week? For me, it was a couple of surprise results. Or, well, maybe not surprise results, but good teams losing. You look at the Cardinals, lost to the Packers. Sorry to bring that up, Rob. I think the Browns losing to the Steelers, you, you might argue, was a bit of a surprise result. The Bengals losing to the Jets, as we've obviously seen with, with Mike White and, and his amazing performance from nowhere. And then, you know, the Chargers losing to the Patriots. I think we had the Chargers down as a, a potential deep run playoff team. And then the Buccaneers losing to the Saints as well is, is crazy. Um, you know, in terms of teams that that we thought of the kind of top of the conference are now looking, well, maybe, maybe not so great. Um, but if Aldrin was picking the week of the backup quarterback, I think it was also potentially the week of, you know, a great quarterback, maybe not looking so good at the moment. If we think of, of Patrick Mahomes on Monday Night Football, you'd almost have picked the Giants uh, as a team, you know, a real good bounce back team for him to play against. But he looked, you know, really, really un-Patrick Mahomes-like again. Um, there was one, you know, one pick, I think, um, that I can remember. And then, you know, he was lucky to have a second one overturned by a false start from, from the defence. So, and that was a real bad throw. So there's there's obviously something not right there at the moment. And, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can, you know, turn that ship around. I think the, <clears throat> luckily because of the time difference now, I actually managed to watch a, a little bit of that uh, Chiefs-Giants game before I went to bed last night. And the Chiefs were so lucky to get that first touchdown, not because of them overturning that turnover but just for not being punished for it in the first place Mahomes was kind of scrambling around for his life as we we kind of see him do quite a lot and we have really since that Super Bowl performance against the Buccaneers and just what was he doing we ask ourselves like we ask ourselves that question quite a lot with interceptions we did it with Tua's interception in in London you know, we do it all the time. It's just what what were they doing? What did they think? What did they see? And that first interception for Mahomes, you're just watching, thinking, what just what was he doing? And you're right, it all comes down to just being a very unpatrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. And you kind of at some point you have to start asking yourself, well, has he has he just come back down to earth? You know, is this it? Because um it's probably not gonna get any better. Because I, th- I think I read a stat this morning that said the Chiefs, at, like at the moment, as of now, the Chiefs don't face a team without a winning record again this season. And if they're looking a bit shaky, that's not where you want to be. Yeah, there aren't many gimmies. Um, I mean, following on from both of your points, my, my takeaway from really the last week is what what weird ways... Um, NFL storylines get portrayed in the media um, and none better actually than the one you mentioned Phil about the Cardinals 
they go from being unbeaten to losing their first game, get absolutely torn apart on things like Good Morning Football across NFL Network. People on ESPN are absolutely... And the weird thing for me as a Cardinals fan is, is look, I mean, it was gutting. I never thought we were going to go unbeaten for the whole season by any means, but gutting to not be able to, you know, make that play, you know, to win the game with seconds remaining. But other than that, it seemed like the Cardinals did a lot of things they've done all season, really. And, and it's amazing, isn't it, what a win covers up? I mean... A lot of the things we did against the Packers, we did against the Vikings. You know, again, to your point, JB, kicker misses a field goal as time expires and the Cardinals end up winning the game. Starting slowly on offense, um, absolutely been a, a trait of the Cardinals season. We did it against the Texans the week before. Um, but also, yes, some, some really weird things, the way that Brady's being um, portrayed, you know, because he's, you know, this multiple Super Bowl winner and he couldn't, you know, carry out a two minute drill to to drive his team the length of the field. It just seems, you know, we've we've maybe become a little too used into what is still a pretty fresh and new season to superstar players doing superstar things. And and they're only human, right? I mean, the, you know, it's it's this weird thing. And I think actually Robert Salah summed it up really well. You know, if you look at the best players at quarterback in the NFL and compare them to the backups, well, the difference between a lot of those isn't talent, it's reps, it's experience, you know? And, and when you start bringing these players together, when this, how was it described in the blind side? That moment where, you know, bodies just start clashing into each other and anything's possible. Well, the NFL, you know, served up a Sunday like that. And um, I think they're pretty good once in a while. Um, I ended up enjoying it. I'm a bit, a bit with you, JB. I thought it started off pretty slow in truth through the Slater games, but really kind of bubbled up um, through Sunday night here in the UK. So yeah, my takeaways um, very much aligned with all three of you. Thank you, Aldrin, for your clip. Um, and with our kind of weekly roundup done, let's throw ourselves ahead to our Slater games. And we're going to start with Aldrin in his absence over to another clip of him. And you, James, are talking about the Tennessee Titans squaring off against the Los Angeles Rams. So the game of the week for me this week is going to be the Titans against the Rams. I think this just offers such an exciting matchup now um, with both teams playing some really good football, beating some good opposition. I think what makes it interesting this week is obviously the loss of Derek Henry, like I talked about before, for the Titans is going to be a big blow and it puts a lot of the impetus on... Tanner Hill and probably AJ Brown as the kind of key focal points for this offense and how they're going to move forward. Now they've they've also signed Adrian Peterson. I think it, it's a sensible move. You know what you're getting with him, and he's the sort of runner um, in, in his running style that will suit um, the Tennessee Titans. On the other side, you've got. Um, such a, a potent offense at the minute led by Matt Stafford I think he's connecting well um, with not only Cooper Cup but um, a number of others Van Jefferson particularly has, has kind of stepped up a bit this year and um, Daryl Henderson at running back is looking like a, a real good force so I think it pits two really potent offenses against one another um, I think the Colts ran the Titans really close and I think that for me makes me feel like the Rams have the edge in this one. They look the better team, more complete and rounded I think, particularly with their defence um, and trading for Von Miller this week as well. So they're adding another 
real top tier pass rusher to that to that unit. Um, so yeah, I think it's a real. It, it really is a clash of two really top teams, and I think it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. All of that said, the the team that I'm going to put into club dub this week is the Rams. So, if Aldrin feels this is, um, I don't know, a contest between two heavyweights, before I send this around our virtual room, let's pick up on some of the points he was making now about the Titans being minus Henry. Are they a heavyweight now? I mean, this isn't to speak ill of the Titans. I think there are many teams who, if you take away their best player, all of a sudden things don't look as bright. You know, the only difference is for a lot of NFL teams, their best or at least most important player tends to be their quarterback. You know, I think about the Cardinals without Murray, the Packers without Rodgers and so on. Can the Titans really be competitive beyond the Rams in truth? I think the Rams is one game of a number where I think without someone like Derek Henry, I don't know, have they got enough elsewhere? J- JB, what are your thoughts? Well, to, to kind of go along with that kind of clash of the heavyweights kind of analogy there, I think one of the questions that is, is sometimes asked about great boxers, are you a champion without ever having defended the title? Yes, you were a champion by winning it, but do you ever really, do you ever really get classed as a champion without having that one defense of the belt under your belt. So to go along with kind of the question of are the Titans a heavyweight without Derek Henry, this is the game that's going to decide the answer to that question because without seeing what they do and how they how they show after what is a devastating injury, not just to Derek Henry, but to that team and its prospects in general, seeing how they come out of the blocks for this is kind of going to be the key to it because like, you know, they've signed Adrian Peterson. I think is it uh, Devonta Foreman that they've signed as well. Um, They've got Jeremy McNichols who they're, they're quite keen on, but I think he's going to be used mainly as like a third down back. Um, You can't replace Derek Henry with one player. And by the look of it, that's what they're going to, they're not going to attempt to do that. They're going to kind of bring some people in for it. But this is kind of the key. And just to sort of just carry on there, for a Rams team, oh, you've got to be licking your lips at that. You've, you've yeah. got to be looking at that and thinking, especially like with the Von Miller trade, having come potentially, you'd think, in enough time for him to play Sunday night, you've got to be looking thinking that we are going to absolutely eat these Titans alive. Um and if they can get the Titans off the field early, that Sean McVay offense, it like driven by kind of the superior arm of Matt Stafford in comparison to previous Rams quarterbacks, you, you've got to think the Rams have got the opportunity to really run a score up here if the Titans don't have a good game plan and don't demonstrate the ability to come back from all of this. It's it's one of those weird ones where for me, even before you think about Derek Henry you think that the Rams are so good at putting pressure on quarterbacks and with players like Ramsey, you know, they're, they're so strong also in, in areas like the secondary, they're so hard uh, to really throw the ball against. And, and as you say, if this is a game where the Rams were to go up early, this could actually be the kind of game that I can see getting out of hand really quite quickly. You know, I, I'm not sure I'd want it to let's, let's hope we have a competitive showing. 
And let's hope the Titans can do something. Nobody wants to see a, a season derailed because of an injury. But I, yeah, I, I think this is, as you say, the matchup that would test that passing game more than any other without Henry's injury. I'm not just, I'm not sure many teams would have enough against the Rams, let alone the Titans in this predicament. But, um, but PB, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, for starters, you mentioned Von Miller. I'm not sure that Von Miller will play because he's missed the last two weeks um, with an ankle injury, hasn't he? So I'm not sure he goes straight into that team, but he certainly, if he turns up, you know, 80 or 90%, even 75% of the Von Miller in his prime, he's going to improve their their pass rush. When it comes to the Titans, I mean, they won at the weekend without Derek Henry, really. I mean, he, he played a, a bit, but, you know, not in his true form. Um, but they only scraped through an overtime against a, a poor Colts team with, you know, Carson Wentz really off form that we'll, we'll go on to. But um, I, I genuinely don't think, I think they're going to make the playoffs because I think they've got that division sewn up pretty much. I can't see the Colts coming back and, and really doing anything there. And the Jags and Texans definitely aren't going to make the playoffs. So the Titans will make the playoffs, but I can't see them going deep unless Henry is back. Um and against the Rams, I just don't give them a shot at all um, without Henry. I, I think so much of their offense relies on having that strong, big run game with him. And, and he can do some things that I think a lot of, you know, no other running back in the league can do really. Um, and I think without that, you know, they're gonna, they know they're going to be a pass first team. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson in his prime would have been amazing, but He's a 36-year-old that sat out half the season. Donta Foreman yeah. sat out half the season. You know, they're not going to instantly come in and, and, and run for 100 yards each. So, um, yeah, I can't see anything but a Rams winning this one. I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think the Titans are going to have to try and run just to keep some kind of balance, but they don't have a dynamic playmaker. Um, I think all four of us, although one absent, would think surely the Los Angeles Rams find their way into club dub. <laughs> Normal services resume now. I get to talk to you all in the flesh. And uh, JB, I'm going to throw over to you to talk us through your pick for game of the week. What have you gone for? Um, I have gone for the Battle of Ohio because I think this is a very, very interesting time to be talking about the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals because up until last week, I think everyone was quite high on both teams. I think the Bengals had put some excellent performances in, especially that win against the Ravens. Not throwing shade at the Ravens. Any team beating this Ravens team is a team that's worth talking about in a positive light. The Browns, you know, had been a bit up and down, but there was a great sense of belief in that, like we had on this podcast had talked about, like, is this the Browns turning the corner? And then the Browns lost to the Steelers and the Bengals inexplicably lost to the Jets. And yes, there is discussion about that final helmet to helmet call and how much that affected the course of the game but realistically the Bengals didn't lose that game because the officials blew a call the Bengals lost that game because Mike White was the better quarterback and better running the offense than Joe Burrow was running the Bengals I thought it was the the weakest performance we've seen from Jamar Chase like there was absolutely nothing that really jumped out explosive and I think part of that was the Jets doing a really good job of, of um, crowding him out and just making sure those big plays weren't there. 
So both teams, I think, kind of limp almost into this week. And in one of those, like, well, both teams have got their backs against the wall now. So it must be a really small corridor. But who's actually going to come out and do do the most out of it? There's conversation around Mayfield's shoulder and just how well he actually is. They got Nick Chubb back last week, but he didn't really look like Nick Chubb. Um, if anybody is curious about Odell Beckham Jr.'s performances for the Cleveland Browns, I believe you can look for his dad, who has provided some great supportive video evidence of that. And all of a sudden, it just feels like those same old Browns are starting to rear their heads. Whereas from the Bengals side of everything, I think this is their opportunity that they've kind of got to sort of grab the ball by the horns and kind of say, no, 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 we are also not those same old Bengals. This isn't going to be like seasons past where we have been in big game situations. We've been in high pressure situations and we've folded and kind of it's been the end of it. And like the Browns have got multiple coaching staffs and multiple front offices that have got those kind of embarrassments. The Bengals have as well. This is not a Kevin Stefanski problem or a Zach Taylor problem. This is a Cleveland and Cincinnati problem. And it almost feels quite poetic that it's the two of them this week, both of them trying to fight back the tide and kind of say, no, 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 no. Don't give up on us now. I promise if you stay with us, we will show you that we are worth it. So I, I, I think it's going to be really good. I think you've you've picked an absolute barnstormer. Let's start with the fact that it, I mean, you've just said it with front offices. It's been a long time since the Battle of Ohio meant anything more than it was the Battle of Ohio. You know, it was just noteworthy for the fact that it was that that rivalry that's more than a state, isn't it? It's to do with ownership. It's to do with history. It's to do with the formation of teams. It's it's one of those rivalries that if the teams had been more competitive, deserves kind of, you know, front page, let alone back page attention. Um, I think two teams at very different points. I think your point about the Browns and are they to be taken seriously is is a, a very valid one. But I will say this, the reason I think the Browns have turned the corner is not because of their ceiling, but it's because of their floor. I think even if you have a pretty disappointing season in Cleveland, you are good enough to beat enough bad teams to get yourself to, I was going to say seven and nine, eight and eight, but I suppose with, with 17 games now, I've got to, I've got to address that math seven. I, but, but I think the Browns are good enough to beat, you know, bad teams and are good enough to get themselves there or thereabouts, even if things don't quite gel. I do agree that, you know, when Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad is producing 15 minute YouTube videos showing Baker Mayfield miss uh, throws to Odell Beckham when he's wide open. I, I can't think that does an awful lot for, for locker room morale, but I think, Chubb, maybe another week might help him look a bit sharper. Um, I don't know. I think there's enough to like in the Browns to think to think whether it's this weekend or in the next few weeks that they will right the ship a touch and get back on track. The Bengals are at a very different point because the Bengals, I think, are playing better football in the main so far this season, but they're still a young team. You know, I'm really impressed with what Zach Taylor's done in the sense that I really wasn't impressed Last season, I thought he could find himself out of a job, even in Cincinnati. But he's got them playing better. They're just still young. And you said it about Chase, and you could probably say it about Burrow. There will be these off weeks. You know, it it has that second season feel for Burrow, where he's not always going to be lights out. 
Um, but that said, who do you pick this week? I have no idea. The definition of a coin flip, I would love to see, you know, what the various betting companies have the odds at, because other than home field advantage, I can't think there's an awful lot that splits these two. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you could probably say that the Browns are maybe underachieving from where their, their start of season expectations were. And you can definitely say that the Bengals are overachieving from, from where everybody thought they would be this season. So they, they come at, a, at kind of a pivotal point, you know, for the Bengals, if they were to lose, lose two straight after their loss to the Jets last week, you know, I think, um, is, are they then going to slide, you know, towards the end of the season? And, and, and it was just a remarkable peak of form and, and ultimately they'll slide down and miss the playoffs, especially if the Steelers, you know, can start winning as they did last week against the Browns. For the Browns, I think for them as well, you know, I think they really need the win to, to kind of keep those division leading aspirations alive. And, and, you know, I know that they've been banged up um, Mayfield, especially, you know, wearing that um, protective gear on his, his non-throwing shoulder, um, but he's gutting it out and, and kind of still getting it done. And for Baker as well, obviously it's a contract year. So, um, he's really playing for for that next contract, be that with the Browns, and it looks like they they do want to keep him around, or or if not, you know, is, is there somebody else who's willing to pay him, um, you know, real top end starter money? So uh, it's a fascinating contest, and like both of you have said, really, you know, it's it's a hard one to pick. Um, I think if you go over the form of the last month or so, you'd have to say the Bengals. Um, would probably be favoured. But then, you know, the Browns have got a lot of playmakers and they've won the last couple of weeks, you know, without their, without, or, or sorry, they, they haven't, they won two weeks ago, they lost this week without their main running game. You know, I know Chubb was back this week, but he wasn't particularly healthy. Um, and Hunt obviously left the week before. Um, and and um, was it Johnson that was running, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, in his debut and, and really put up a massive performance for them. So uh, it's an interesting one. It's a, a real tough one to pick. If I had to stick my neck on the line, I think the Bengals have just got enough on offense that I think, you know, their playmakers are probably healthier. They're more available. Um, and the best ability is availability, as we've said before. Mm. So um, I think I'd pick the Bengals for this one. Yeah, I think, I think there's an interesting point that you've made there in terms of based on form over the last few games, who would you go for? And yeah, you think the Bengals have played better overall, let's say. But which is the worst loss to try and overcome? Losing to the Browns, losing to Big Ben and the Steelers in Cleveland, which is a notorious problem that the, the Browns have, or the Bengals, who we saw outclass one of the best teams in the league and then lose to the Jets. The, the Jets who had a win and when we saw them play live looked hopeless. And it is, it is kind of seeing who bounces back from who. The other thing I think is interesting is outside of the four leaders who obviously will qualify for the playoffs, the, the Titans, the Raiders, the Ravens and the Bills, the three wildcard places at the moment are the Bengals with five and three, the Steelers at four and three and the Chargers at four and three. And then after that, you've got the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Browns and the Broncos all on four and four. Those three playoff places are waffer thin in terms of who is actually going to take them. And this game could decide potentially who out of the Browns and the Bengals is actually going to get it. Because, yeah, at the moment, the Bengals are 
the Bengals are there. They've got a you know they've got a two team cushion. But if they lose to the Browns, the Browns go to five and four. The Bengals get a five and four. And for the moment, the Browns would have the tiebreaker. So I think it's fascinating just how tight and how close it is. And I think you are right. It's a difficult game to pick. I have gone with the Bengals because I think overall, you're right. They've got maybe just that little bit more. But oh, I'll be second guessing myself until the end of the game. So to confirm, JB, are you saying the Cincinnati Bengals are in club dub? Yes, we will usher them in with a rousing rendition of Welcome to the Jungle. So the Rams went in first, the Bengals second. It's kind of an arc reference I could make here, isn't it? But PB, before we get any more into team names, let's put a third team into Club Dub and start by telling us, what have you picked as your game of the week? So my game of the week, I've gone for the lower end of the uh, the spectrum again. Um, with an interesting contest between the Jets and the Colts, um, potential quarterback shakeups all around here. Um, you know, for the Jets, they've, pretty much stunk the place out all season. I think, you know, we obviously went to the London game and saw them against the Falcons and Zach Wilson was pretty awful in the first half, um, you know, throwing where nobody was thrown at people's feet, you know, passes too low and, and didn't really look like he could get anything going. Um, and then second half kind of came back a little bit, but you know, they were never really in the game um, gets injured. And then Mike White, the backup comes in, you know, and starts this week and, throws for 400 yards and was it three touchdowns and two picks or four touchdowns and, and three picks one, you know, either or, um, and looked, you know, and, and dragged them to their second win of the season. So against the Bengals team, as we said, that have looked good so far this year and, you know, looked like they're on track to win the division. So it's not a, you know, a, a surprising, or it is a surprising performance, but it's not, um, you know, it's not like they beat, a, a bottom feeder team. I think the interesting thing now is, you know, arguably if you're the defensive coaching team of the, the Bengals, you know, you had no footage, no film on Mike White really. Um, so you don't really know what you're in for. I think the advantage the Colts have now is that they can look on Sundays, albeit I know they're on a short week, you know, they could look at Sunday's footage and at least have something to go on in terms of game planning um, on Thursday. But the Colts aren't, a particularly good team at the moment. They're not playing particularly well. You know, they struggled to a loss against the Derek Henry list Titans at the weekend, which, you know, over the last few years has been a top of the division clash. So they're not coming in against a, a massively strong team on Thursday night football. And if they can get the win, you know, where does that leave the quarterback situation with the jets? If Wilson um, gets back healthy in the next kind of week or so, you know, do you ride the hot hand and do you stick with Mike White who, you know, has, has looked good so far and, and, you know, was really good through the air on, uh, on Sunday and running that offense, you know, with Carter on, on uh, running back as well, you know, who ran really well, um, a real top kind of, kind of marquee performance from him for his career. Um, or do you go back to, to Wilson, you know, because he's the guy that, that you took, you know, so high in the draft and, and because he's the guy that you've kind of saddled your franchise to for the next however many years. So I think that's a real interesting one to see what happens because you could quickly, you know, I, I hesitate to say ruin a guy's career, but 
you know you could quickly derail what what is potentially a, a positive trajectory just by you know having the backup come in and, and outplay him uh, which is, is what's happened on the other side of the ball you look at the Colts um, I think against the Titans they got away from the run too much I think Taylor was up there in terms of, of rushing I think he's the, he was second behind Henry for, for rushing leader um, so you'd think he'll probably go on and win that title now um, or at least push ahead of him, you know, over the next few weeks. Um, and I think they got away from that a bit too much. And, and, you know, that's where the game got away from them. But I mean, they were still in there right up until overtime or in overtime. But it was just mistake after mistake from Carson Wentz. So many passes that, you know, were, were tossed away when they didn't need to be or thrown, you know, wildly inaccurately. And then obviously everybody's going to think of, of the the play, you know, in the last couple of minutes of the game where it looked like he was going to be taken for a safety he could have just tossed the ball away instead he throws it up in the air and it's it's picked off for, for a pick six now as it turned out it wasn't t- too costly because he managed to march them down the field and and get them there for I think it was the time field goal wasn't it that took them to overtime um so you know he kind of he recovered from the mistake and managed to get him you know managed to get the team back up there where they needed to be and took it to overtime but it's it's just another unconvincing performance from Carson Wentz, and I think if if they go into New York, uh, sorry, if New York, if the Jets come into Indy um, and beat the Colts, then I think you know all the favour for for Carson Wentz and the support will start to turn, um, and you wonder if they'll then go a different direction with the the quarterback situation. You know, obviously the trade deadline's just passed and they've not traded for anyone, but you know, are they going to go in a d- different direction in the off season and, and and see what happens there? But I think. Wentz needs a really strong performance. Um, and I think, you know, he he really needs to do the business, cut out the silly mistakes and really show up against, you know, a team that you have at, at the bottom portion of the league. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game for, for Thursday night football. Maybe not the, the best quality for the football purists, but it's going to be a real interesting chess match to, to see how it plays out. Um, so I, I'm going to confess that I realised that I didn't pick a game until after you already had and I had originally wanted the Jets and the Colts because I wanted to try and find as many ways as I could to wind you up with comparisons between Mike White and Tom Brady and crowning Mike White as the next Tom Brady but I think you made kind of a good point you've made several good points in there I think Mike White's performance on Sunday like we I think I said it before at the start of this nobody saw this coming at all we have seen backup quarterbacks come in before and do well. Um, The one that immediately jumped into mind on Sunday and and kind of just now was when Nick Mullen came in for the 49ers for Thursday night football and led the team down to a victory and really did a really good job of running the offense. But Nick Mullen didn't throw two interceptions on back. uh, Sorry, not Nick Mullen. um, Mike White didn't. no, no, I was right. Nick Mullen didn't throw two interceptions on back-to-back plays. Mullins. Is it? Okay. And well, it wouldn't be the podcast if I didn't get someone's name wrong. He didn't throw back-to-back interceptions on plays and have to lead the team back from there against one of the more surging offences in the league. Mike White, and I sort of said this to Rob on Sunday, the most impressive thing about his game was the fact that he threw those two interceptions and that was it. It was literally just came back on the field. It's like, right, over 400 yards, then it's going to have to be that. And 
you don't see performances like that all too often. And part of me is going to be very disappointed if it was just a flash in a pan and he's not able to replicate that. And kind of what we see on Thursday night is a guy who comes out and just falls to pieces. Um, and I think you've got an interesting point as to, to where they sit. Personally, I'd sit Wilson because all we saw from him was just him getting beaten up and beaten up and beaten up. And if the Jets can win while giving him a bit of time to kind of adjust to the pace of the game, why not do that? Um, I agree with you on the Colts as well. I think it was bad Carson Wentz week. It was bad Carson Wentz play. And while one player never loses a game for a team, he didn't help his team win at the times that you really needed him to. And it, is it too early to again ask questions of are the Colts going to be drafting a quarterback in the draft next year to to bring someone in to replace him? But the Colts have got an opportunity here to put the Jets away, start creeping back towards a 500 record, while I'm sure their expectation will be that the Titans will start to struggle a little bit with with as we've said without the engine for their team and. You are, what was Rob always says, you are one injury away from getting better, which is potentially what we're seeing with the Jets. But you are also one injury away from getting better when the injury happens to someone that's not on your team. And you you would think Frank Reich has got to be going into this game on a short week thinking, this is it. This is the turning point of our season. Um I keep referencing things Rob has said, but they're always very good at illustrating the point. For the Buccaneers uh, Americas game, Rob, you know, talked about Tyreek Hill running into the end zone and flashing up the peace sign. And that being talked about on an Americas game where the Buccaneers players are basically saying, that was it. That was the moment everything turned around. And I kind of feel a little bit like I can imagine a Colts America's game at the end of this with Frank Reich being, this was our opportunity. This was where we had to go. Wow. The Colts aren't going to be on the America's game. (laughs) Wow. That's a better take. The Colts winning the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, uh, Mike White, I'm really glad he had a good week. I think I've talked before about quarterbacks who can put mistakes behind them. Carson Palmer, as a Cardinals fan, was always the one who amazed me. You know, through a pick, nothing seemed to change in his approach. Um, I, I think we've seen Wilson do what White did. You know, the, the win the Jets had earlier in the season over the Titans had a similar feel to it. One where they were just in it and kept in it and were hungry and were playing hard for their coach in all three phases and so on. Um, I'm probably, and Phil, you touched on this, I think we probably had a better chance of seeing the future of the New York Jets at running back at the weekend than we did truly at quarterback. I think Michael Carter was um, up as one of the Rookie of the Week nominations this week, and and he did look like a find. You know, I, I really thought he looked good. Um, I must say Mike White's up for Offensive Player of the Week on, on NFL.com as well, so he's getting his due. But in a season where we haven't really seen much in the way of rookies, outside of a couple of wide receivers, Micah Parsons maybe at the Cowboys, we haven't seen a huge amount of rookies making a big splash. Um, I do wonder what the Jets will do at the end of this season. Uh, Imagine Wilson comes back, plays a few games, doesn't look amazing. I don't know. You know, the, the Jets are likely to have a pretty high draft pick again. Do they keep swinging till they get it? You know, we've seen the Browns do it, talking about them a few minutes ago. 
yeah, the Jets, I think, are um, are a really interesting case in point. Having said that, I think every couple of weeks they put up one of these great performances, but they're still a fundamentally flawed football team. Um, I mentioned this earlier about the 49ers playing the Cardinals and how difficult it is to prepare for a quarterback you've got no tape on. I do think defences will start to figure out white to an extent, but you know what? Ride the hot hand. You said it, Phil. I'm more than happy for New York to keep letting that guy throw the ball because it's definitely entertaining to watch. But yeah, um, as much as I think the Colts should have probably been better this year, a bit like the Browns maybe, I, I just think they've got far too much for the Jets, surely. But it's all down to you, PB. It's your game. Tell us who's going in club dub. Yeah, for me, I think it's it is going to be a Colts win. Whether it's a, a you know a, an astounding, powerful Wentz performance, or whether they just ground the Jets down through the run game, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, has a has an amazing game. We'll see. But yeah, I think I'm going to put the Colts in club up this week. Puts just, clubbed up. just before we move on to Rob's game of the week. Go on. Colts win the AFC South. Any takers? <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd probably be more likely to take a bet like Colts win the AFC South with a losing record, which I think could actually be possible. It, it's, got a, it's got half a chance of being the worst division in football now, that hasn't it, without Derrick Henry? Um, I don't think the Colts are bad. I don't think the Titans are bad. But I mean, the Texans and the Jags definitely are. So there's half your division. I would take, uh, what, you're betting that the Colts would, would win the AFC South? The Colts will overturn the two-game deficit they currently have and win the AFC South. And every podcast no. needs thinking time. I'll, uh, I'll take that bet that they won't. Oh, <laughs> you've, been, you've been lured into that. Lewis, no as my wife would say. Um, I don't know. I think the Colts are a bit better than you. I think the Colts are the Browns in blue. You know, they've got a lot of the same problems. Good coach, though. Same as the Browns. Yeah, I'm not sure as I'd be taking that bet. They're three games back, not two games back. He didn't even know the stats. Well, Always bet on someone who's not sure of what he's betting on. I nearly quoted Wesley Snipes there. Wouldn't have been good for our podcast. Um, so I'm going to move on to my game of the week. And um, I'm not playing this week. I have picked the game of the week. I have picked the reigning AFC champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, rolling in against the not NFC champs, but perennial losing finalists in the championship game of the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Now, we were talking only a few minutes ago about tape and about teams getting figured out. Um Watching, and I must say, I didn't stay up to watch the game in full. I watched the extended highlights of the Giants against the Chiefs. The Giants absolutely knew what they were trying to do against that Chiefs team because defensively, the Chiefs have problems. Um, Sorensen opposite Matthew at safety is a problematic area for them. Um, I think Sorensen looks absolutely at sea for a, a player who I think has had a good NFL career and may continue to have one, but right now is, is not a purple patch. You then look at that offense and you kind of go, well, what's wrong? What's up? Where are the problems? And do you know what? In a weird way, you've nailed it, JB, and this is going to sound bizarre. I would compare the offense actually in a way to the Detroit Lions. Now, I'm not 
saying these are like-for-like teams by any means, stacked with talent, the Chiefs roster against an absolutely talent-deficient Lions team. But, you know, we talked over the last couple of weeks about the Lions just can't get the basics right. Well, neither can the Chiefs. They can't protect Patrick Mahomes. And in previous seasons, we have seen Mahomes scrambling around and we have seen one of those superstar players like Travis Kelsey, um, you know, we've seen them come back and look for the ball. We've seen them on the same wavelength as their quarterback and they make special things happen. Well, this season, they don't have that. Whatever it is, they don't have it. They're, they're not on that same wavelength. And, and it's the same for Hill as it is for Kelsey and other members of that, that offense. And the other thing is without that, without the special, there's not enough good ordinary to make me think that they are truly contenders. I mean, I've been talking about three or four weeks of the Chiefs needing a get-right game, and the Chiefs win on Monday night, and I'm still no more sold on them than I was when they were losing games. I mean, it just didn't feel like a team that had found their way back. On offense, they have so little rhythm, and the Cardinals are guilty of this as well. I said about the Cardinals being a slow start. There are a number of teams who you know, seem to struggle to get out the traps, and the Chiefs feel like one of them. Um, now, flip that on its head. The Packers, I think, are absolutely what we thought the Packers would be. Aaron Rodgers seems to have calmed down and focused on playing football. They're not amazing, but they're certainly good enough. They seem well coached and to have a reasonable game plan. And even without some true superstars, so against the Cardinals without Adams and, and so on and so forth, they've got enough players there that can make things happen. Um, this could be the first of, and you said this earlier, JB, with what's coming, this could be the first of a really painful run of games for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, it's kind of hard to argue against that kind of point. And that's without kind of bringing in the discussions that have been going on on, I believe it's Instagram or Insta, as the kids be calling it, from various members of the Chiefs defense, including um, Tyron Matthew, talking about how toxic the fan base is. With with the greatest respect in the world to amazing professional football player and Super Bowl champion Tyron Matthew, I do not believe the Kansas City Chiefs this season is the fans. Um, and it's it it almost feels a little bit like lashing out like that kind of thing you do mentally where you know you're the problem, you know you're in the wrong, but you, you, you're you angry about it. And yeah, the, the Chiefs just need to get better in every stretch of the game. Dan, Daniel Jones had a perfect passer rating against Sorensen on Monday Night Football, and that's Daniel Jones. You mm-hmm. can't imagine that if I know that on a UK-based podcast recording on a Tuesday evening, that Aaron Rodgers isn't looking at information like that and thinking... This is a week for, you know, for deep balls, mm. middle of the field, opening up a run game that I think has far more going for it than Kansas City's. I mean, oh, I don't know. Just, I, I'm just, almost, do you know what? I, I know I keep crashing on your point. I'm almost tempted to say that this could be a real landmark defeat for the Chiefs. You know, this is the kind of game that the Packers could absolutely run roughshod with the Chiefs the way they're playing. And that, I mean, if you think the fan base isn't enjoying football so far, I'm not sure they'll enjoy being hammered by the Packers come the weekend. I I have this as a Packers win. 
but I am not quite ready to to give it that kind of the the shellacking that I think you are because I I, I don't think the Packers are a, are a perfect football team at all. I think the Packers on the day are probably going to be better than the Chiefs, but it's not like the Packers have been blow away awesome at any kind of thing. I think Aaron Rodgers has looked ordinary for Aaron Rodgers, which is better than a heck of a lot of quarterbacks going, but it, it's still like... I. I when we was talking about the Battle of Ohio, I said last week was a very ordinary game for Jamar, uh, Jamar Chase. We never saw anything really big or explosive. I can't think of that many big Aaron Rodgers moments that we've had this season either. Um, yeah, the Packers, I think, were hoping to get Devontae Adams back this week, which will help out with everything. But they've also felt like a team that's kind of fighting themselves to win instead of a team that's kind of making the use of all of the talent that they've got around them to then go out and dominate. Um, it's it's an interesting game. Whether it's going to be a good game or not is kind of going to we're kind of going to have to wait and see what unfolds because this could just as easily be like a 10, seven snore fest as it could the spiritual sequel, which we've been looking for to that Rams chiefs, Mexico city game. Go on then PB. What are your thoughts? I think you raise a good point that Sorensen is, you know, I think quarterbacks are target actively targeting Sorensen at the moment because he's not having a great year. Uh, Matthew as well, you know, it's all well and good kind of shouting off at the fans, but you've got to make some plays. And, and I think he, you know, he said on a tweet today that the, you know, the ball will start coming to him again. You know, you've just got to kind of stick with it, but I think you, you know, if you're shouting off at the fans, you've got to be making plays on the field. And I think when it's, when that's not going and then you start all, you know, all of that as well, I just think it leads to a bit of a toxic atmosphere. You know, we mentioned earlier about Patrick Mahomes, not particularly playing very well at the moment, but it's across the board, you know, Uh, Travis Kelsey fumbled on Monday night, you know, and, and has, I can't remember him making any real spectacular plays over the last few weeks, you know, Tyreek Hill isn't tearing away from cornerbacks and, and scoring, you know, 70 yard touchdowns. So it, it all just feels a little bit off and I don't know why. I mean, they're still trying to, trying to dial up the trick plays and things like that. You know, it didn't really work last night, but uh, on, on Monday night, even well, it was last night, uh, but you know, Travis Kelsey taking the direct snap and then, you know, throwing it behind him to Patrick Mahomes to then kind of try and run around and look for a pass that he he overthrew into the end zone. You know, they're still trying those things, but I think, as you said, they're a team at the moment that's not doing the basics right. And I think you've got to get those basics right and able to do that stuff before you then start the doing the trick stuff to, to try and catch people out. So, and, and I think, you know, they put the ball back in Daniel Jones's hands to, to, you know, with, with an opportunity to drive them up and win the game. And ultimately it didn't work out that way. Um, but you know, that, that it could have ended so differently. It could have ended with, you know, with a giants win because they had the ball last and, and then, you know, the chiefs are in an even worse position. So I think at the moment, the way the Chargers are playing, albeit the Chargers lost this weekend and the way the Raiders are playing, you know, even with the, the, the controversy all around them, um, and, and, you know, the news about rugs today is obviously going to impact them as well. Um, I think, you know, it, it could be tough for the Chargers, sorry, for the Chiefs to make the playoffs, 
at this at this point and and who would have picked that before the start of the season so i think they really need to you know pull themselves together be it a team meeting or or whatever it is something needs to happen to to really get them going to to stop their season from sinking you know from the midway point yeah uh, i'm with you i think Matthew and Sorensen aren't great. I don't think they put enough pressure on quarterbacks. I think the defense isn't digging them out of many holes, but it's an offense that just needs to simplify what it does. The the overcomplicated nature of this offense is not helping when they just have no rhythm. Um, it's weird, isn't it? You you just said you know the Giants could have you know driven the field and won the game, and, and it's almost easy to forget the Chiefs did win that game. I can't remember a win with so little feel good. You know, a win's a win in the NFL, but it, it didn't really have that kind of feel about it. Um, right, I'm going to keep this very brief. I have the Packers winning this game and going in club dub by two scores. Uh, I think the Packers will have far too much. Um, but do you know what? I'd love uh, a renaissance from the Chiefs. I'd love them to give us something to cheer because when they're at their best, they're a sight to behold. But um, Green Bay coming into club dub. <laughs> teams in club dub it's left only to our hot topic and this week it is a quick whip around our virtual room to talk kind of about the trade deadline so the trade deadline and we talked about it at length last week we thought was going to be the deciding moment where we finally learn where Deshaun Watson might go and turns out he's gone nowhere um But it has shown us yet again that the Los Angeles Rams seem to have a very unique attitude um, to the whole process of the NFL draft. Um, This trade deadline has seen them actually not trade away a first round pick. Um, It's a second and potentially a third, I think, for Von Miller this time round. But looking over the last five years, the Rams have now been able to trade away seven years of first round picks with the ones they were low in coming seasons to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. So our quick round the room, our quick hot topic is this. The Rams have gone for a strategy, which is the ultimate high stakes win now. Has it succeeded or you could argue, will it succeed? Yes or no. And JB, I'm coming to you first. We are... Yes, I think so. But it, again, it depends on what we're measuring as a success. If a success is making the Rams a perennial contender, which realistically is what every franchise hopes to be every year. Yes, I think they have achieved that. If it's going to bring them multiple Super Bowls in the next few seasons, that is again, a little bit more risky. And the biggest problem with everything is always going all in for a season or two and then dealing with the after effects of it afterwards. And this is coming from a Steelers fan who is very aware of the fact that as we have discussed previously, his team is both all in and starting a rebuild all at the same time. It is not very good for my nerves. Um, What I always keep in my mind anytime we talk about trades for big players and trading away picks and all that kind of stuff is the quote from Steve Kime when the Cardinals traded away their second round pick a couple of years ago. When he was asked about what the how it was going to impact the team without them having a second round pick. And his response was, we have a second round pick. 
His name's Chandler Jones. And in case anyone is mistaken, Chandler Jones is really good at football, especially today, this current season. So it's all about who you go and get. Can you go and get Von Miller for a second and third round pick and potentially solve your pass rush problems? Absolutely go and do that. You know, we've seen great players come from from further rounds than that. That uh, Seahawks Legion of Boom defense was kind of built on fourth and fifth round picks. Um, I'm sure Phil will be able to tell us where his beloved quarterback was drafted. Like Joe Montana was a fourth round pick. So it's not like great players only exist within the first round. It's risky, but ultimately you're in it to win championships. And Sean McVay could be out of a job in three years. So if you're looking at it from a... No, but realistically, if the Rams absolutely fall on their backsides back half of this season and don't get it sorted out, Sean McVay could be out of a job. You have to look at that. And if you're thinking, I'm going to be out of a job soon, might as well maximise the time while I've got it. Well, when the Rams lose the Super Bowl to the Colts in your universe, I'm sure Sean McVay will feel the pressure. Phil, what do you think? High risk, is it high reward for the Rams? Uh, high risk, definitely. So they've, at the moment, they've got four picks in the draft next year. They've got, they're going to have a compensatory pick in round three. They've got their own pick in round five, and they've got their own pick in round seven and a pick from the Dolphins in round seven. I think they're getting another four or five compensatory, compensatory picks for free agents that they've lost, but they're going to be, uh, you know, mid to late round picks. Late, yeah. So, it, you know, it feels like the Rams moved up to draft Jared Goff first overall, and the way that's turned out, they've just gone, no, not going to do that again. We'll just not pick anyone ever. Um, and, and, you know, that's the route they're going down. But I don't know, second and a third for Von Miller. Sec- your second round pick, you'd probably expect to make the roster that season. But third round pick on, onwards can be a bit of a, a hit or miss, can't they? So, you know, if someone's available, if, if you, you feel you're in a window and someone like Von Miller is available, then then why not go and pull the trigger? Um, and rather than, you know, get second round, third round, fourth round, whatever guys in, you know, go for undrafted free agents and, and see what happens. You know, there, there are many success stories in the league of undrafted free agents, guys that have come in, you know, just off the street and, and, and turned up and won the job, you know, and, and, and played amazingly. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think the draft is the be all and end all, but it's certainly, you know, if, if they don't win it all this year, it puts them in a, in a rough position moving forward, you know, and I don't think that pain, is maybe instantly going to be felt next year, but it's the year after that, you know, when, when guys start to retire and things like that. So, cause they're not a, a particularly young team. Um, they've still got Whitworth at left tackle, don't they? You know, Von Miller isn't a spring chicken. Um, they've got some older guys on that team. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but they're, they're a top kind of, three or four team in the conference at the moment, you know, they are a potential, I think you have to consider them as a Super Bowl contender this year. So I guess we'll, we'll see what happens and see if it works out for them. The, the stat I saw today or the quote I saw today, which I love and apologies, I can't credit whoever I read it from on Twitter was um, when Jared Goff was drafted number one by the Rams did they ever imagine that their next first round pick would be in fourth grade at the time? I mean, that's, that's like phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, it's one of those things where I think Les Snead has gone his own way. He's made the Rams competitive throughout really. I mean, we're talking about five years into what seven years of a first rounders they won't have, 
but they have always been competitive. They've already made the Super Bowl once. They have been the class of the NFC, um, you know, a couple of times and occasionally just looked unstoppable. The weird thing about the NFL is only one team wins it, you know, one winner, 31 losers or, or however you want to phrase that. So, I mean, if, if the aim is a Super Bowl, I think they've given themselves the chance. The, the only thing I would say about the Rams is that at least they've used some of those picks to go and get a quarterback. Um, I think you see teams, and actually the Rams with, with Goff was one of them, you know, where they give up picks to, to move up in the draft to take their quarterback of the future. And I always think how high risk that is. We're only just talking about this season's draft class, thinking, well, you know, because of how good they were in college, people are waiting for these quarterbacks to truly land in the NFL. But it, it hasn't really happened yet for any of them. You know, if they get two, three, maybe even four years out of Stafford, and there's probably a, a new contract if they keep him that long, which they'll need to factor in. But if they get that kind of lifespan from an aging quarterback like Matt Stafford, um, I think I think they just about win, don't they? I think the pros outweigh the cons. Like you say, it's one of those weird ones where, yeah, they've given up loads of picks for loads of players, but they do seem to move them well. I mean, this is a team with Jalen Ramsey, not drafted by the Rams, Matt Stafford, not drafted by the Rams, you know, Von Miller, you know, you add it. I mean, it's funny, you know, I can't remember which of you said it about the Rams have improved their pass rush. I mean, they had Aaron Donald. I mean, they're adding strength on strength is the other thing I like about Lesney. This isn't a, I'm going out to fill a gap. It is stacking a roster. Um, do you know what? Huda? I think they probably are my Super Bowl favorite at the moment. Um, so you can't really blame what that front office has done if that's the position it's put them in. But um, but yeah, as a Cardinals fan, I would I would love you know a little bit of time to maybe see if we could win a division. Maybe we might this year. Who knows? Maybe I'm counting us out too early. But um, but yeah, I think other than our win against the Rams, I think they really have looked pretty incredible every other time I've I've uh, been watching. So hot topic covered. All that remains, and we, we did forget this on our recording last week, but thankfully added it on social media, is to do the whip round of the runners and riders, JB, in our Pick'em Challenge each and every week. So I had been slightly lukewarm in weeks gone by, been pretty brave with some of my selections, and had let Phil climb back into the contest. Tell us where we are now, heading into, where are we? Week nine? Week, uh, yes, that was week eight concluded. Week nine is what we're leading into. And Phil, I don't know if you think it's really interesting that we forgot last week, but for some reason, Rob's remembered this week that we need to do it and given it quite a theatrical build up. Can't oh. possibly imagine why that would be. Could any, it be any of you could have mentioned my, last week? Back in my brains. Yeah. Could it be because last week was indeed one very, very closely? It was the closest week that we have had so far, but. Rob Rose took it with a victory of nine wins and six losses to JB's eight and seven and Phil and Aldrin's seven and eight. So that is now Rob with three, Phil with two, JB with two and Aldrin with one. But Aldrin has the worst record five out of eight weeks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that in his absence. Um, (laughs) It is, it is a shocker really, isn't it? I, I mean, the only thing is, though, I was saying before we started recording and before you had joined our, our lovely digital universe, PB, I was saying to JB, I reckon probably eight games, 
this I think there's probably eight games that are coin flip games this week. I was going through my picks and I could absolutely end up on the wrong side of a of a beating here because I you know we have talked through a number of them but there are a number of games here that I just ultimately have no idea. But um if you're curious as to what we're all talking about, do follow us on social. You can find us on Twitter. Um, and also, I want to say Insta. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. We're on Insta. I, I, I'm not personally, but but enjoy that, all of you who love taking photos of places you've been and food you eat. Um, I hope you have a great time on there and check us out. Um, but yeah, this week, I think, could be anybody's. This week could be anybody's, and maybe, maybe it's Aldrin's <laughs> week back in. Who knows? That was my Instagram um, alerts. Yeah, it's all going <laughs> off. Um, so, gents, another brilliant show. So much to talk through um, in terms of games. A pity we didn't have quite as much to talk through in terms of the trade deadline. But um, hopefully in seven days' time, there'll be some more NFL storylines to cling on to and we can entertain the masses once again. Um, have yourselves a great week. You too, Rob. Take it easy. Thanks a lot. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. Again.